everybody. It is your girl, Joy Has Questions, here again with another amazing episode to give you all. Cannot wait for you all to meet the guests that I have on today. Super excited. So starting with this week's You Better Know. I am focusing on one of our ancestors who I definitely look at him as like the original Uncle Luke, the incomparable Ferdinand Joseph Month, who was better known as Jelly Roll Morton. This man came to be revered as one of the greatest jazz pioneers of ragtime, as well as considered the first jazz music arranger. It's so dope. He was born in the free yet poor Creole community of downtown New Orleans, Louisiana, on what is assumed to be October 20th, 1890, because the law to document black children was not enforced until 1914. So basically, before the 19th century, a lot of black children born in New Orleans, or just in the country for that matter, did not have birth certificates. It was literally the equivalent of telling black people you're coming into the world and we don't give a solid gas or liquid fuck about your existence. So the day that you are born really doesn't mean that much to us. That is truly what Jelly Roll came into. He was born to Edward Lamont, who was a bricklayer, and his mother, Louise Monette, who was a domestic worker. Now, ironically enough, his family was able to trace themselves four generations back, which was practically unheard of for black people at that time. That still is unheard of. Even if you are using MyAncestry.com, it's not that easy. At the age of 14, though, Jelly Roll began working as a piano player in a brothel. Let me break this down for y'all as to why this was so crazy. Now... In those times, it was called a sporting house. So in the early 1900s, hoe houses for just basically keeping it real in terms of what it was, he was the entertainment. So there would be a little hole in the wall where the prostitute or the hoe, for lack of better words, would have her John in there getting down to business. And to provide motivation or to help her with her stamina, he would play music to accompany the sex. He was literally... A Walkman. So he would come up with all these dope and amazing accompaniments for the prostitutes. And so they always wanted him because his arrangements were just so dope. It was like the best motivation ever. So imagine being a 14-year-old and you were like the most sought-after musician in the whole house because they're like, you just inspire me to twerk so much better when I'm with these randoms. Like, that kind of blew my mind. It's like he was the original theme music for Pornhub.com. Nevertheless... He was in an atmosphere where he always sang smutty lyrics, and his own nickname, what he became known as Jelly Roll Morton, was an African-American slang term for basically pussy. There's no other way to put that. So, you know how nowadays, ladies, we be like, oh, I got that good, good. In the early 1900s, if you had that Jelly Roll, oh, that was like the original milkshake. There's no other way to put that. Like, before Khalees had milkshake, there was Jelly Roll. Now, while working there... He lied and told his great-grandmother that he was like a watchman for a factory at night. So when she found out that he was basically playing music or jazz in a brothel, she kicked him out and said, you are not going to be a part of this family making us look crazy in these New Orleans streets because you want to sit here and be the theme song or have your original thong song by Cisco going. So he had to get about her house. Now, from super humble and slightly, no, not even slightly, super ratchet beginnings he then was able to tour from louisiana to vancouver chicago new york dc where over the period of time he recorded jelly roll blues which was and is still arguably considered the first jazz composition ever published recorded as sheet music 
because he basically was able to write down the traditions that New Orleans jazz musicians tried to keep to themselves. And Garden Number One, because you already know, if we let this out, this is how we perform jazz music. White people are going to steal it, which was always the case. He recorded with jazz legends, white and black, such as Omir Simeon, George Bacay, Albert Nicholas, Wilton Crawley, Lorenzo Tito, Artie Shaw, Bubber Miley, Henry Red Allen, Sidney Bechet, one of the best saxophonists ever. If y'all have never heard Sidney Bechet blow back some music, y'all are missing out. Bud Freeman, Pops Foster, and countless others. Now, In 1938 in D.C., he was stabbed by a friend of an owner of the club that he was working in. He suffered wounds to his head and chest. This is basically what led to his death eventually. But when he got stabbed, he was closest, of course, to a whites-only hospital. They wouldn't see him because of laws. Oh, my goodness, D.C.? Having segregation, not the land of freedom. Oh, no. So they had to take him to the black hospital. Now, when he was transported farther away, the doctors left ice on his wounds for too long. And they didn't attend to the injury that was actually the most fatal one. So his recovery was always incomplete. So he was often ill and easily became short of breath. It also made him have asthma and other respiratory issues. So it kind of like messed up his performance a little bit. Eventually, he continued to suffer from these problems. When he was visiting Los Angeles, he had a series of manuscripts and new tunes and arrangements that he was planning on dropping to have his comeback but he basically died July 10th, 1941, after an 11-day stay in the Los Angeles County General Hospital. The reason why I'm bringing him up today, you guys, is because I truly believe that he does not get the recognition he deserves as he was a true legend in pushing forward jazz music to the masses and also ushering in a style of music that ultimately affected the way society interacted with one another. The jazz age... Jazz was the original trap, like, before Gucci, before her, before Bibby, before Chief Keef, all these dudes that, like, everyone goes up for that are known for drill music. That was jazz. Literally, jazz used to be spelled J-A-S-S because it was ass music. The whole point of, like, it was supposed to be played in really sexual situations. It was popular music of hoe houses. So to take that and turned it into something where women now felt empowered to have their sexuality on display, where men had to completely change their interactions. He is responsible or partly responsible for completely altering the way that humans dealt with one another. So I look at him as an amazing example of celebrating, literally taking nothing and turning it into something. So for all those bougie first Negro on my block black people who always want to highlight what they consider the blue bloods of the community, y'all could sit the fuck down somewhere because some of the most iconic members of our community have had some of the most grittiest and grimiest stories, yet they persevered and solidified themselves in the fabric of our community. Jelly Roll Morton was one of those kings. I know he is up in heaven, probably with a cigar. I wonder if, I guess you cast cigars in heaven. I probably ain't no problem. But I know for a fact he is up there. I hope he gives me a slight head nod and say, shots, thank you, my queen, for giving me that recognition. And let's move on to So According to IG. So, okay, guys, when I tell you, I literally was, like, looking in the mirror like, Joy, you about to be so legit. Like, it don't get no better than this. Like, all your favorite beats have come from this dude, and here you get to interview him today. Mm-hmm. As you all know, I am born, bred, Southsider, low-end girl till I die. I love my story and the fact that, yes, I came, you know, from nothing and I went to school. But it's like I also love hearing about the success stories of 
you know, my fellow millennials around me who took alternate routes to greatness. So to have this young man here, who I feel represents uh, an aspect of the drill movement and why, whether or not you agree with it or don't like it, it is very much an integral part of Chicago and paints a picture in terms of how we treat the youth of this city and how through anything we can overcome. I am too excited to have Floss Mob Don Rob here. Yes said it did not need to redo it because I was sitting there in the mirror trying to make sure I can enunciate this correctly. Um, to have you here, this is amazing. I'm super happy. You got your Hennessy on deck. You sitting here with like a fresh twist out. Your clothes fit. I'm excited for oh this interview. Sheesh. So no, I am happy to have you here. Tell everyone hello. Hey, everybody. It's <laughs> Don Rob. Lost my Don Rob, I guess. You're so calm. I like that. Just so you know, like, I have a lot of energy, so. I know you do. Okay, cool. I was like, I ain't want him going like, is this bitch on Molly? Like, what's going on here? I've had a lot of interviews. Okay, coolly. So, I'm just going to get started right along with it, with the section you already know, guys. It's so according to IG. It's going to stay in a music lane today, because this is really the only thing I want to talk about. Like, I'm super excited to actually chop it up with you. Um. Typically, I call this young man Tabasco 22 just because I don't like calling him Takashi. Takashi 69? Yeah. Wait, yeah. You just want to call him Takashi. Like, I was. That sounds like a real black person name. It does, you know, and I'll be honest, he did just put out that nice little jam with Nicki Minaj, and her flow is, you know, it's giving me life. Takashi 69 got a song with Nicki Minaj? Yeah, it just, I don't even know the name of it, like, it was on my my IG Explorer page, and I was hearing her, and I was like, now see, this is the Nicki that I got behind, the kill the DJ, you know, slumber party Nicholas Minajri, this is who I was supporting, so I was just like, I don't, this... (laughs) When she went super bass, I was like, super no. But yeah, that was, you look, we oh, all got to do that dance with the devil at times to get the check. I completely respect it. Um, so literally, I think this happened yesterday. He was kidnapped, pistol whipped, um, threatened to be murdered, robbed. They dropped him off back at his house. This was the neatest assault I have ever heard of. God. Then he's in the hospital. I'm not going to make fun of the situation because that's I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But when I look at just how antagonistic he has been, does this come off as like, this is karma, or does this come off as like, you ain't a real gang member, you need to sit down somewhere? You got to look at it from all the full 360. I think that it can be karma because of the way he's been talking, but also because he is a clout chaser, I think that it was fake. I think he could have. I think he really wanted to get on that much mm-hmm. that he could have possibly faked it. It's not that hard to do. They dropped him off back at his hotel. Exactly, which I'm just like, now, don't get me wrong. I am also the girl that it took a while to realize people were screaming Ricky and Boys in the Hood because he gets shot. So I'm not going to make it seem like I've got, you know, all the leaflets and pamphlets on mm-hmm. gang culture and the lifestyle. But what I will say, I ain't never heard of nobody that's going to risk exposure. Like, typically, from what I have always known to happen, if there's any chance that you could tell on me, you getting done right there because dead people can't talk. So I'm just like, I'd hope that he wouldn't take it to that point where he just faked it, his own, like, situation. But I put nothing past his generation as well as the fact, like, it seems that he's really damaged and just really wants to be respected that much but is going about it, like, all the wrong way. I think... Oh, you gotta understand. Like, I think it's it come with the 
the nature of this uh, generation. Like, you know, it started out with Soldier Boy. He did everything he could to get on. He finally got on. And then you see people mimic that consistently throughout the history of the 2010s and the millennials of trying to do as much as they can to be on. So I wouldn't be surprised if he did. This is that year of, it's back in the 90s era, like when it was a lot of one-hit wonders. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of people doing anything. People would come out with weird names, and there was the Fat Boys and this and that. And it was so many people. It's, it was so many artists and, and musicians that came out in that period that it's like, I can understand how it's coming. It's just, it's brand new. So they trying to, I think he just trying to finesse it as much as possible. Well, I'll put it to you this way. I did hear unofficially that he is not allowed to be within the city of Wynn. So I don't know how he's getting mild sauce nowadays. But from your perspective, is that, do you live your life or your professional career, I should say, by those rules of like, well, if these artists ain't messing with you, that's where my bread and butter is coming from. You're going to have to get your beats from somewhere else or your production or sound engineering. Or are you more so in the vein of y'all can work that out over there and I'm going to get these writing credits and do whatever it is I need to do? It depends. Okay. It depends on what the, who the artist is because I'm from Chicago, so a lot of our integrity and pride mean a lot. Mm-hmm. So. Just loyalty. Yeah, like, I mean, I understand why he said fuck Chicago, fuck Chief Keith. It's been a while before. You didn't know he was... No, I knew, and it still gives me chills, because I don't... <laughs> there are very few people that I think still, no matter what level of fame and celebrity that they get to, will pick up that pistol, and he is one that I'm like, mm. I mean, no bullshit. Chief, Chief Keith's been taking a lot of L's this year. He took has. a lot of L's. He, his cousin got... A lot of his cousins from his rise to this point. So, if Chief Keith was really about that life now, it would be kind of redundant. It would be stupid. Like when he was seventeen, yeah, I could feel it. But right now, it ain't really no point. Chief Keith is basically in the same situation he is. He can't come back to the city like he wants to. He can't really perform here. I mean, they both kind of in the same situation. Where is I think? Isn't that young man from New York? Yeah, he's from New York. He's from New York. Okay. So it's literally like just different heads of the same coin. And yet you still see the cycle continue. Are like, doing the same shit? It is. It's sad. Let me move, though, into like <laughs> a lighter realm. And I just also, lastly, you don't care about this. Will somebody please reach out and touch this young man in terms of getting his roots properly colored? If you're going to sit here and do 72 colors in your head. Oh, you talking about Takashi? Yes. But it all don't have to turn into this dirty marker green at the end of the day. You have too much money to sit here and be walking around like you just had a one-night stand with some beauty supply store color. <laughs> That's all I have to say. He do, he do kind of look like Get that. a balayage treatment and then keep it moving because well, yeah, you you're looking like Lisa Frank's love child. Just <laughs> That's it. I'm done. Um, so chance dropped. I might need security. I have been screaming. <laughs> I hope this is a go-go where I feel like that smirk just went. Um, first and foremost, do you think Chance can rap? Yeah. Okay, so that's what I was more so concerned with because I have so many people that are just like questioning his skills or his ability, and that's why I'm just like, oh, shit. Um, I might need security. I more so loved that body of work or what he put out because he was talking about actual equity, which is something I'm very strong on. I don't give a fuck about equality. Mm-hmm. I am about equity. If I see you with these liquor endorsements, cool. What is the equity that you have? You can endorse anything. Mm -hmm. But if on the back end, Belvedere making like 
90%, you only making five. I don't care if they giving you a million dollar deal. Like you still getting played. You still getting robbed. So I appreciate the fact that he dropped the fact of like, yo, I bought the Chicagoist. That's equity. Cause now you can control the stories that are being portrayed for our people. So I respect that. Um, what are your thoughts though on like the song or on chance in terms of how he's perceived in the city and just elsewhere? I think, I think because he won, we from Chicago, so when we win, no matter whether we from the South Side, like it's we from the South Side and the Cubs won. Regardless, you know that you know how that goes. South Siders don't like the Cubs, the Cubs don't like the White Sox. That's how it's been since probably for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. But when they won, it was Sox fans there with Cubs joint. And that's how Chance is. Chance is one of those kids that we don't all don't necessarily agree with his music or listen to it, but it's like it's the a win for Chicago. Representation. Yeah. So I think the body of work for what he was trying to do, I don't think it was. I think it was honestly just to release some music. He won all. It, he had. He won so much that I think he won to the point where he forgot. People forgot about who he really was. They were talking about he's going to be a politician and all of this crazy shit. And I think him dropping the music was just to show that he's still working. So I think nobody should take it as an album, but I think they should just take it as like. Yeah, Chance, he still can He's rap. keeping his name in there yeah. for what he is known as, which is being a rapper. A rapper, yeah. Um, I think even more interestingly, because he takes a, an after-social stance. Like, he partners with Google. He does things. Clearly, with Social Works, his nonprofit. Yeah. I feel like if you are under the age of... If you're over the age of, like, anything with teen, he really is just like, you grown niggas figure it out. Mm-hmm. I'm here for the kids, you know? And I can respect that because they truly are the future. Do you think more artists or more people in our generation who have, like, that platform, who literally, if they put up a picture of them eating hot Cheetos, will get, like, 100,000 likes, do you think they should use that platform now to speak out more politically? Or do you think Um, it's like, nah? Politics is like religion, though. I think Twitter is a place where opinions matter. Instagram is a place where it's all about how to cloud up. So in certain circumstances, yeah, but I don't think anybody should take a political stance with their music because it makes you, it kind of dirties you up a little bit. Like if, like if I know, I know a lot of people that like Trump, and I ain't gonna say their names or nothing, but their reasons make sense from the way they explain it, and I just don't want. I don't like, and I'm gonna say this. Please don't hate me for it, but this I liked is- Trump before he was a president. I and you know what. I know a lot of people that felt that way because let's also keep it real. We never thought that he was going to be in the yeah. running for a political yeah. off and to be president. Like at most, maybe he'd have made city alderman. Yeah, so but, that, but that's what I mean. Like I liked him before he was the president, and now I like him less because he's the president. Because of like I like you, bro, but I just don't want you. You know what I'm saying? I don't want you doing this. I don't want my mechanic to be my chef. You feel me? It's mm-hmm. like. I like you as that. So for rappers, sometimes it's good to be political. If that's what your music stands for, like Common, I don't mind him making political or Lupe. music. Or Lupe. But I don't want to hear Chief Keith making that music because, I mean, making that stands. I don't want him to get on there. I love Obama. Like, it just, I don't want to hear him doing that. And there's no slight to them or nothing. I don't think they less educated because they don't. I just rather just hear the music for what it is. I'd rather just enjoy the music instead of politics being pushed because the way I feel, music is very powerful. So 
in the wrong hands or the wrong ears, it can make people do, say, believe, and feel anything. Mm-hmm. So you got an artist that's talking about the wrong. Like, what if everybody, what if Kanye stands on Trump with a main people, like, more black people like Trump? It did, though. That's, that's my point. Okay. And the fact that he still had a great album is not fair that he likes Trump. So it's like, like some people can't just take music for what it is and separate that. So I think the more heavier, the heavier stuff should needs to be just used for certain artists that can do that. Okay. So I respect your perspective. I think the thing for me though, is I always am trying to reconcile like the level of responsibility that you have. If you do have the platform versus your right to have your own opinions. And if you want to take that step, I always make the joke. I'm like, if you choosing to be Simba walking up them rocks to roar and be the next Lion King, that's your choice. Now, if you don't want to do that, that is also your choice. I think it's wrong to push people in that direction, but I always pose that question because when I even look at just the overall climate that we live in, we're getting to a point like it's almost like you you have to make some like like you have to make some sort of stance, right? But I think the stakes are just too high in terms of like now what then gets sacrificed, which is, you know, the rest of us or the community. And then like black people got enough shit going on mm-hmm. where I really feel like it is powerful if you have like in their own way too. Mm-hmm. Like I don't wanna see her up into city council and be like, nah, folk, this is what we talking about. This is what you need to do. I'd be like, oh, my God, they all getting arrested. Like, you already know what's about to happen. But what I do want to see is if they made a statement that was like, yo, you know what Ops is going to do. This is what I'm doing for the kids. We having a, a t- ball game at DuSable or whatever. That still is an activist movement yeah, or that, a movement of unity. That's more, I think that's more like public figure type of stuff. Right. Activism. Versus politics. Okay. I think, well, the te- de- technically the definition of politics is kind of doing that. But he not really doing it to be a public figure announcement. He's just doing it because he's really from Chicago. And he cares and about he cares, Chicago. So. And that's the thing. Like, I can totally um, respect both sides of that. And I don't like to push people, but I'm always just like, look. I cannot take that responsibility be like, yo, Joy has questions as a social commentary, so people feel comfortable to do this, that, and the third. I made that decision. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I just look at other people. I'm like, you got all this fucking clout. Like, you say anything and people legit will listen to you. So I'm like, just be more mindful of, like, what you're saying and how it affects people. It, take, it takes time, though. Like It do. Like, like Bibby, Bibby, when he came out, ain't Bibby now. Like, hell no, he not. Herb, when he Herb is literally a father, like he turning into a Chicago, like Heathcliff Huxtable, like yeah. I can see it. He about to have a full SUV of trill ass kids yeah. with his girl. So I'm just but like, that's why, and it's like, see the thing is, and I don't want to get too crazy deep, but no. I think we black people we have our own, we have our own community and we have our own culture, and the way our culture is is very is broken up and it's weird. So we got things that we say that's very disrespectful. And then we got things that are term of endearments and things get lost in translation. So it's like our interpretation of having a family and black love ain't the same as a Mexican's white person's or even just anybody that's not black. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's some people like we do shit like we talk different around our kids. But it's not to say that our kids not going to grow up better. Like I, I like what. 
Herb is doing because he's showing him being a young guy, despite some of the words he say to his his girl. Yeah. But that's just that's a relationship. And, and that's the thing. I'm not going to speak on something that I ain't in. But I yeah. did watch that one video for her birthday. I was like, you're going to abuse her. What? And she got all up in his face. I'm like, oh, Lord. I'm like. That's the way they are. But exactly. it's still, like, I, I can't show you how many kids that know that I produce and, and work for these people. And they be like, they like the fact that they, like, I'm going to get a, like, like I'm going to be like her girl. Like, like they trying to be in relation. They trying to do right, the right shit. You mm-hmm. feel me? Some of it ain't all the way that, but it is what it is. I like that it's making that. So, you know. But lastly, I'm so tired of seeing Floyd Mayweather and 50 Cent argue. At this point, I really just want them to fight it out. Like to duel. I really want them to take it back to like 1812. Just do the 10 paces with a pistol and whoever come out, it, that's just what it's going to be. Sheesh. I'm tired. I'm so tired because it's like the level of disrespect that they do. Maybe you're not aware this latest round of I'm argument. Not, okay, fine. They didn't got into it again because I guess Floyd Mayweather wore like a got the last pair of purple gaiters and Fifty wanted them, and so now they on social media warring. They saying weird shit to each other about exactly. baby moms and shit like that. That's what I want. I that's the only thing I want to talk about. I don't even care what started it. What is the level of like line crossing? Because you already know 50 Cent does not have a good relationship with his oldest son, which then draws parallels of, like, colorism and all these other issues because he's such a doting father on his younger, light-skinned kid. And not saying that the color is the reason for it, but people bring that up. Like I think it I, that I think he, he has a little bit more control over raising his child now versus then. That, and I just think that 50 and – uh, Mayweather have a very fickle relationship in the first place. It wasn't really built on like I grew up with you for ten years. It was a we met. I met met you. We met each other. I like you. I like your stuff. You cool. We both rich. Yeah, it wasn't really no. It's just fifty. Is it? He's kind of a troll. Not kind, kind of. of. Yeah, he is. A I was about to say, edit that out. <laughs> like and he then, is uh, a troll. Mayweather just he the type of guy that's not afraid of 50. And the reason why May the, Mayweather said what he said is because he knows 50. 50 the type of dude, he not going to start no beef with you unless he know a lot of dirt on you. So Mayweather was just one of them type of niggas that's like, I'm the only, he learned a lot from 50. When he was calling out the fact your driver too, I'm like, oh. Because people forget. It's the lower – People always want to look like, oh, it's the best friend. Your driver see everything. Your security detail sees yeah. everything. Because they are the first ones on deck cleaning up your shit. Niggas know. So I'm like, he pulled the card. I'm like, oh, he's not lying with these receipts. He has a good Macy's downtown list in Come terms on. of what to go in on him for. I guess I'm just at the point now where you have two successful black men. Mm-hmm. Goo gobs of money. Whether or not 50 is fake broke, real broke, whatever, he's still making more money than I would ever expect to see in a lifetime. Same thing for Floyd Mayweather. Like, mm-hmm. they ain't never going broke. Not again. So, true. Not again. <laughs> I forget. They did come from nothing. Yeah. And that's the thing. They've been rich for so long, I forgot they were broke. I'm mm. like, do you remember what it's like to be hungry? But... It just is disappointing to me when I see, like, kings against tearing each other down, but then also using women as the collateral. Like, who is the yeah. girl? Uh, Batty Monopoly. Batty Medina. That chick. And she was like, I ain't never been a hoe. Just because you walk away from a situation, I just had to call this out. You knew when you got with Floyd that he can't spell monogamy nor know what it means Sheesh. nor wants it. Sheesh. 
oh shit, I didn't mean it like, oh, he's illiterate. I'm sorry, I didn't mean it like that. I take he it chased, back. <laughs> he chased money instead of the books. And I guess I was like, you didn't get with Mayweather on some, I just really want to be the girl that he can like fall asleep with and know that I'm here. I mean, it's a trade off. So I'm like, you had to understand, you will always be collateral with dudes getting into it with each other. I don't think other. that's fair. To her? I don't, yeah, I don't think that's fair. I think, look, man, like, I'm not a diss, you know. I'm not pro nothing or anything, uh, feminism or whatever, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when it comes to women in certain instances like that, like, people look at celebrities like God, you know? And right. whoever get that opportunity to be with them, they, sometimes they don't never necessarily think they're not thinking about the the repercussions of fucking with a rich ass dude like Floyd Mayweather or Fifty Cent or anybody. And I think once you get put into that light, once you get become in that light of having all of the things that she had at that time, and then had happened to leave that, and then whoever saw her with Floyd Mayweather was like, "Let me get that girl." And then she ended up going through all these rich dudes. Now she looked like she a a gold digger or a person that looked like she just a hoe for money. I don't think that's fair. No, no. So let me say this. I'm not judging her in terms. Truly, it is coming from a space of you are dealing with two extremely petty dudes. Oh, yeah. That will always resort to any tactic, no, no holes bar, in order to win an argument. So my thing is for her to be confused that that would, that she could potentially be thrown into it. Not saying it's fair, but you're not dealing with like, give me some Obama and Jay-Z getting into it. They will never tell their personal business like that unless it's something. I'm like, you dealing with two dudes that I'm like, you have to know at some point this can come on me. Some people don't. That's funny you said come on me. But some, oh, some yeah, people why don't. Are you, I'm, some people don't think about that stuff. Some people are literally so ignorant to things and just, like, everybody laugh about it until it happens to them. True. So, like, you know. And it's not fair. It's not. But it's funny. It, I mean, I won't even say it. It was funny the first four times that these arguments have happened. By this time, I'm like, I'm over it. And now throwing in, like, Maury paternity suits and... I got your real sons. That like, okay, this is getting too. <laughs> I think. Look, we gotta look at it like this. We gotta look at it like this. This is entertainment. Whether it's real people's lives or not, I mean, that's just the way the shit is. Well, 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 look who decided to finally bring herself to Chicago. Summer is here, guys. Mother Nature finally decided to let all of us see sunlight, and I am here for it. So, best believe I'm gonna be at somebody's kickback. All June, July, August, and possibly a little bit of September. You know that first month always be popping with some Cavassier VSOP, the only drink that is worth drinking for summertime to get it in. I hope you're doing the same, and let's get it back with Joy Has Questions. So here is my fave part. It is, so I have a question. I have several, in fact. Yes, I'm single. (laughs) That was not a question, just so y'all know. Okay. I'm sorry. Um. So in regards to, like I said, I'm super excited to have someone that is, like, reputable, has they shit together in the music industry. You're one of the most accredited producers, sound engineers in the Chicago music scene, specifically the drill scene. Um, Number one, why don't we know more about you? Okay. 
Go ahead, hey yo, you all a moment. What? <laughs> okay. No, really, really, what? Like, I started a long time ago, and then I, Bibby is like my little cousin. Okay. And I've been knowing him since he was a kid, since he wanted to play basketball. So, um, he always known me for doing music. And then one day, you know how it is with kids. Like one day they say, I just want to rap. And he said, I just started rapping. I said, like, how long you been rapping? For about a year. And then he said, I got this thing on. Like me and her, we got this thing on the internet and it's blowing up. And I looked at it and it was at like 500,000 views. I'm like, shit. That's not slightly blowing up. And then I looked at it next week. The next week it was a million views. And I was like, these niggas is cold. Let me. So, no, long story short is, is. At the height of my, like, actually getting my notability and credibility, I ended up getting, you know, I violated my probation and I ended up having to go to jail for, like, two years. So I missed out on all that. I just did some stupid shit. And then I did more stupid shit by not following my probation. So that's what ended up happening. And then they finally said, fuck it, you've been on probation for too long. They meek-mealed you? Yeah, they did. Okay. That's exactly what they did. They were like, we told your ass, stop popping wheelies in this damn Popeye's parking lot. But this is around the time, you gotta imagine, this is around the time I'm, like, investing in little Baby. Like, mm-hmm. my end, my time, my money, my everything. Because I saw it happening. So I was missing parole dates. Like, you gotta come to court. And I was like, we finna be rich, so fuck them. <laughs> he was like, I'll be able to pay this bill. Yeah, like, give me you know 16 more months. I don't give a damn. So that's what I did, and then that ends up happening. But I came right back and came into the money that I was owed and figured it out. Well, let me first off say, happy that you were able to survive that situation, because we already know the narrative, how many of us don't get that opportunity, yeah. you know? And so... As fucked up as it was that it had to happen, it still is a learning lesson. Yeah, and now course. it's like, make sure I have the PO date correct so they ain't got to say nothing to <laughs> I me. I ain't got to worry about that no more. Also, I think it's just a beautiful story to see how you you said something that was really important to me. You invested into Bibby. You invested into Herb. And that's the thing, especially with this generation or whether you want to talk about Chicago, ain't nobody investing in these kids. Like, no. you get upset when they didn't sit there and, like, scared all the white people in water tower in the mall and it's just like oh my god they're rioting they're doing all this stuff you know and they're criminals but i'm like but are you investing in them before they got all this excess energy and before they now hungry and got to figure out a way to feed themselves and their family or whatever that is going on in their personal life so i think that's the shit that really matters like you found a way to reach him or he felt even comfortable enough coming to you and the fact that you actually gave a fuck about him. So yeah. that's the real like win to me. Yeah. Um, so you have worked with Herb, Bibby, Z Money. Valet. Valet. Okay. Damn. Juice World. Yes, I keep, keep going, going through. Keep County. it. Who? Cash Money. Yes. Uh, Did, and they paid you? Yeah, of course. Okay, they good. Did. I'm not saying I I need to I'm about people getting their cash money I worked with up front. I could say a lot of artists. I worked with Dave Loaf. I said R. Kelly, right? Mm-hmm. King Louie. Dreezy, uh, Tink, Toby Lou before he was Toby Lou. I worked with a lot of people. That's amazing. And you know what? Even though I made the joke of like, why don't we know more about you? I can appreciate and respect the choice to be behind the scenes and find your pocket and what you are good at and stay in that lane. I give you a 50-50 on the choice. The choice, it was, I'm always, I've always been a very, not, I don't know how the choice of word, but I've been like outgoing mm-hmm. when it comes to things that I understand, like music or whatever. In my environment, I'm the man. But in the business aspect or in the clout, I'm not really good at that type of shit. So it's like hard to do it for yourself. And it's Where hard because 
ain't gonna lie, when you get in this music business, they gonna make you do shit that you don't wanna do until you get power. So that's what it's been with me for years. So Well then in that case I'd wanna know next up what how were you able to find like common ground with these artists when so many judged them and lumped them into this gangster killer category? You know, like they'll sit there I I'm never gonna see her get invited to, you know, Hyatt Regency's diversity inclusion gala benefit and that ain't some shit I even think he would go to he's like this is a waste of my time he you would know? he would okay then let's flip that question how is it that you are able to you know find common ground when they do have that stigma and stereotype well I mean <clears throat> from my experience and knowing most black kids that grow up in a neighborhood they just don't know that they can Half the kids, you know, or ninety, almost ninety percent of the kids from the city don't know, have never been downtown, because mm. they just don't think that they can. So when they get these opportunities, it's always gonna be they gonna either spaz out or they gonna go into it. And nine times out of ten, like with Herb and Bibby, you would be surprised that these kids they just wanted to be somebody different. They just their circumstances was bad, so it's like. Herb wants to do, like, the Met Gala and all of that stuff. Like, he want to do that shit, but they don't want him there yet. So it's not our stigma. It's theirs. It's theirs on us. They think that we're some type of lunatics, but we not. So That is, and it's also what really breaks my heart is when it's us doing it to each other. Like, it's one thing for me to have to deal with that stereotype from, like, the majority or political spaces or white people, just to be honest. But yeah. it's like... It, to me, is even more of a stab, but I'm like, it's your own that's doing this judgment. Like, instead of, like, opening up your arms to help everyone truly feel included, it's like, we don't have time to dedicate to the, the true hood. We're just going to deal with, like, oh, maybe they're struggling with their GPA getting into Howard. I'm like, but we ain't going to focus on the kids that ain't even looking at college as an option or, you know, who have other fundamental issues to deal with. So the, me asking that question, just so you know, wasn't because I – think you're not doing enough it was because for anyone who is listening to this and that's the mindset you're taking you fucked up in that mindset mm -hmm. because i'm like everyone still deserves saving or deserves to have someone care about them yeah. um and i don't even care if you got like millions and technically have made it if you can't handle your money if you can't handle the fame if you can't handle the pressure you still gonna be acting like a lost person these, look these look guys when i met baby he like met met him got a real relationship with him he was about 10 and then he got older. Did His he always sound deeper. like Mufasa? No, he didn't. Okay. But he always sounded like he always sounded like he was a teenager friend and one day his voice was gonna crack. But he always had like a I don't know how to explain it. I don't want to even make jokes. The it, first time funny. I heard him, I was like, This little boy sound like he about to go pick his kids up from like the teacher parent conference. Yeah, he he just had puberty. But all of them got deep voices, every single one of them. And Grown ass. When I heard, when I realized he was like eighteen, it scared the shit out of me. I'm like, he sounds forty. When he came out with free crack, baby was sixteen, turning seventeen. Are you serious? Swear to God. And sounded like he had like a four hundred one k plan and had like several investment properties. Like he just sounded like he was at a grown stage of life. <laughs> well, I'm he like, was though. He really was. He was at that age of Don Rob. I'm gonna do this shit. Oh, he said the first thing Bibby said to me. Let me know. That these niggas is not dumb. He like, bro, I don't want to do this shit no more. And this is at 17. And I'm like, to me, I'm fucking, how old was I? I was 21, I think. Mm -hmm. Something like that. He like, man, I don't want to do this shit no more. I'm like, do what? Like, y'all ain't doing shit. To me, look, 
I grew up around this shit, so the shit that they was doing, I thought it was all. That's why I, I didn't like drill music at first. Now, let me go on the record saying that. I thought it was like I was in love with Pause. I was I fuck with Bump J. Bump J like my uncle, so I like his music. I like that type of music. It's, I didn't like all of that wild ass, loud ass, gun toting, shooting and killing right. shit. So when they was doing it, I didn't like the shit. I thought it was stupid. All you can imagine it. Like a room smell like musty ass teenagers rapping on a song. That's how I always imagine. One blunt. But Bibby, Bibby surprised me more than her because he liked hip hop beats and he liked shit like that. But he also wanted me to bring that drill shit to it. So we add a mixture of that. And then you got Herb, who was he was young and wild. Herb was always younger than Bibby, so you got to remember that. Herb was Herb was. So Bibby was sixteen. He was fifteen. So her was always younger. So he was even worse. Right. Bad as hell. Like, and then to see them now. But that's what. Well, back to what you were saying. Just to see them now. The progression of it. We just looking at young. We looking at drill music. Drill music was for seventeen year old young ass little kids making bad choices mm-hmm. in their neighborhood and not knowing why, and or repping something that they felt strongly about. And to see them now, Bibby has a record label called Grade A Productions, and he has Juice World, one of the biggest, biggest since Kanye West, artist from Chicago, since uh, 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 Chief Keef, my bad. Right. So it's like we got a new type of sound coming from Chicago from these dudes that was in drill, learned everything they could learn in the hip-hop industry and turned it and used it for themselves. So And Herb doing the same shit. So it's like... Anybody, anybody who don't think that these niggas is, and I say niggas because I'm just saying it, it's just a term of endearment. Anybody don't think that these niggas haven't graduated and learned what they needed to learn from this point and should be invited to the Met Gala or things like that. Fucking stupid. I mean, what's his name? Henry Ford. These niggas was, oh, uh, Thomas Edison didn't have no high school education. Oh, no, definitely. Became Same a millionaire. thing with Ford. Like, came from poverty. There was no trust funds with Why them. do these niggas get to be looked at as the greatest of all time? But these niggas don't. And they younger than they were. Yeah. Figure something out, finessed it, make, got rich from it. I mean. And to think, my mama made me do them pesky spelling bees. I should have been out banging, doing the grind to be like everybody else in seventh grade. Life would have been so different. Fuck that shit. <laughs> no. Um, so I want to know now, moving in into like your creative process, because... Mm. I know you have affiliations like, okay, yeah, you might do quote unquote drill beats, but I'm like, you have to have like a plethora of sounds or like, how do you want to see that sound evolve with yourself? Or what is your creative process now even to like put a beat together without you telling your secret sauce? No, it's not really a secret. Like, um, I got to give a shout out to, I ain't said shout out in a minute. Give a shout out to, uh. Remember the bad boys they used to say that? Give a shout yeah. out where you from? But uh, LPZ, uh, Lenny, and uh, G, these guys that found me now, mm-hmm. found me when I was trying to do what they did. I was building my, well, I took my money and I was building my own studio and doing that and getting it together. But these are guys that understand the process. And the process is just really just, what they did is taking a bunch of things that's supposed to work and putting them together and making them work together. Mm-hmm. That's all I do on music. Like, when I say that I did drill music, that's what I'm most notable for. But the things that I have credit for is, like, I'm finna work on some shit with Solange right now. You feel me? I want to cry. Nah, I'm just playing. But no, the process is not even that. It's just thinking outside of the box, 
and trying to create it, create a sound that blends multiple things together. The usefulness is always taking how things feel now, mm-hmm. sound now, and the things back then sound. That's the way you should do it. You should take some old shit. That's why sampling is always either overrated or underrated. And how you sample is what makes it right. good. So if you take something that's old and the most popular things from what was old and blend it with what's going on right now, you can make a hit song. Those are the most, yeah, because it's you have that classic beat. It's already a formula that has been proven, yeah, just, and then it's like you just do it in your own way. So those guys kind of cultivated me doing that and made mm-hmm. me focus and hone in. So with that, it's like that's basically what it is. It's just taking that old school classic sound and making it, replicating it back to the newer sound, and then just having an ear. Yeah. So lastly, I just have to wrap up. I want to know in terms of your brand. I know you said like you had that sit down moment. Now you back better than ever. You have these amazing projects that are coming on. You just did something really amazing with Netflix. Not gonna give that away, but everyone is gonna be dope. Yeah. Um. Where do you see yourself? Like, do you want a record label? Do you want, like, where, how do you see yourself, you know, evolving in the whole process? Well, I got, I have a record label now. Okay. And I have a publishing company that I'm starting. It's called uh, Playlist. Okay. And Can we please talk about the importance of owning rights, publishing, having all your T's and I's together? That shit is very important because, I mean, and a lot, a lot of times, I know we have this fear about if we don't play ball that they're going to fuck us. But nine times out of ten, if we we don't play ball and have ourselves together, then they can respect us more. Mm-hmm. You just don't like it. Now we actually, they have to they have to do paperwork. You have police say that shit. Now nah, I got to do paperwork. You know what I'm saying? That's the way it go. It's it's about, like, like, if you don't take care of your publishing, this shit is always about the back end. Mm-hmm. The front end... Front end is is like, and this is what every producer, anybody that's making money now rapping, the front end is basically like working at McDonald's. You get paid that bi-weekly check, and you never really get a chance to save the front end because it's a, it's just whatever it is. It's a lump sum of money. The back end is residual type the of money. Royalties, so it keeps perpetuity. coming. And whoever you give it to or however you put it, it can last for the rest of your life. True. So it's like whatever business you do now at this point, you can fuck up all your money right now and then know that you got a check coming in in 90 days. And that's how royalties work. Every 90 days you get a check, depending on how popular the song is. So if you you got a Cardi B record, can you imagine how much money the writer is making on that, the producer? As it plays in stadiums and in Mall of America and everywhere else. So separating yourself from being just a public entity versus a private entity is more important. Private entity is a person that funds themselves. Uh, they take care of their business themselves. They make sure that they always have their front and their back end taken care of. Mm-hmm. They only be successful. Public entity is a person that's basically just... You look good, but you can be broke. Yeah. Ergo TLC. Yeah. So... You, I mean, like I said, I made an example about Bibby. He did this shit five years ago and made a company for himself. Though he didn't have any artists except him on it, now he got an artist he can sign to the company. You feel me? And that saved his ass versus him just giving his shit away to whoever. So it's very important. Like, I mean, I, 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 was, I think everybody should 
learn as much as they can about the business that they want to be in. It's always good to be educated about it. Because if you don't, you'll be fucked up like me. The reason why I survived is because I paid attention to the back end part. When I came in, like, when the internet was hot and I wanted to learn so much about the music and all of this shit was just on the internet sitting there, I was learning that shit. Like, what do I need to know about this? What do I need to know about that? How do I do this? How do I do that? You what literally did a SWOT analysis on yourself. Come you said on. the strengths, weaknesses, your opportunities, your threats, how you have comparative, you know, data to look at everybody else who's in production and publishing and what they doing right. You look at all of these guys now, the dream, one of, one of the most celebrated writers, him and T-Pain. And look at him versus T-Pain. T-Pain has more money than him. Mm-hmm. Dream technically has more writer credit, more hits, versus like real legit public hits. But this nigga just sold seventy five percent of his rights to get twenty million dollars, and he's about to be what forty years old. Twenty million dollars is deserved for a nigga that's twenty five years old. That's some twenty five year old shit. It's a lot of money, but it's not. But it's not. You know what I'm saying? So whereas T Pain is like, I can buy you a drink. And blow your mind because I have all of my back end together. Yes, he started, <laughs> he worked with Akon, started his company, Nappy ENT, mm-hmm. became his own publishing company, became his own video game service. So all of this shit that he did because he saw the future. He was like, gee, I don't never want to be broke again, ever again. People need to realize, like, it's a possibility that this shit won't survive. Exactly. It only lasts, what they say, every three years it's a turn in finances when it comes to this music. Every three years, the music completely changes. And, and you every, can either learn how to ride that wave or you get oh left man. behind. So if you stuck, if you think that it's going to be drill, if you thought that drill was going to last that long, you fucking stupid. If you thought that hyphy or all of those trends that came was going to last that long, you stupid. I mean, but even think about it. That's why people were trying to clown T-Pain because they were like, well, your songs ain't, you know, making money no more. And he's like, I don't give a damn. I am still cashing out. Come on. So I think it's definitely like you have to learn how to play long ball and not be so short-sighted, which I am so happy to see not only yourself, but it seems for the most part the entire drill movement is elevating itself and now going beyond that to be businessmen. And there's nothing more beautiful to me than a story of we had every eye stacked against us and we still out here winning and doing it in such a raw and just authentic manner. So let me just say, I have loved having you on here. It's been amazing. Thank you for coming on my show for dealing with, you know, my little pettiness. Cause you know, I could be <laughs> quite spicy, but all jokes aside, it's been an honor to really just sit here and chop it up with you. And I wish you nothing but the success. All right. Can I say one last thing sure, to what? everybody? Uh, just for this, for not just black folks or whatever, but we all come from this particular area where we looked at as we're not going to succeed and be able to make it. But at the end of the day, I mean, everybody go through their turmoil and they, you know, their stresses of looking like, we look like gangsters right now, but we got to do a stick to it. The Italians just looked at gangsters. Now they, you know, the the Irish, the, all of these people, these white folks, they're going to try to play us, you feel me? So at the end of the day, you just got to stay in it, stay down, and don't do no uh, old weird ass shit, that's all. <laughs> and on that note, 
we are ending. So I have a question. All right, everybody. So for this week's motivational message, I am bringing it back to a place of professionalism, um, not so emotional. And that is I want to talk about why it is so important to know when to barter and when not to barter in professional situations. I think especially with our generation, we definitely know our worth to a certain extent. Like I know we think about money more so in our bottom line, but if you don't necessarily have the collateral and really effective way that you can partner with a lot of reputable people is to barter with them. Trade services. Like I do that all the time sometimes with like my own tribe. This person has like connections in terms of maybe getting to an event or, you know, helping me get that sort of a leverage or helping me leverage, I should say, a platform. I'll reach out to them and then vice versa. If they need like help in terms of maybe bouncing ideas or helping with business plans or branding, I'll do it that way because that's something or even event production. That's something that I am skilled at. So what I want all of us to do is look at this week. What are you good at? And then figure out how to leverage that. But also, that is a fine line because sometimes you need to make sure that if you are bartering, that it's a fair barter. You don't want to be giving somebody, as they say, the milk for free and they ain't about the cow. So make sure that you aren't just doing this arbitrarily or that when everybody asks you for something like, oh, well, I can help you if you do this for me. Make sure that it is of an equal trade. Even if it's something as simple as an internship, make sure that if they are offering you not money, that what they are trading off will be something worth your time, maybe in terms of experience, maybe it is in terms of leveraging their network, maybe it is in terms of something that can viably go on your resume. You don't want to make it an unfair trade. That's just something that I really want us to focus on. One, knowing what you are skilled at so that if you don't have the actual monetary collateral, that you can still offer your yourself up and then gain something in return one of my favorite quotes it I don't even know if Bob Marley really said this but it's the truth everyone is going to use you you just need to find out who is worth suffering for and that continues to be something that I think about when it comes to my business practices and or dealings there's nothing wrong with being used as long as it is a fair trade and it's not anything that leaves you at the end feeling like you got played everyone have an amazing week Let's go into it positive, happy, healthy. Um, And I just want to wrap up in saying by the time this airs tomorrow, this will be my daddy's birthday, July 23rd, 2018. My daddy would have been 83 years old. Um, As always, miss you dearly. You have no idea. Um, And I am hoping that you are just happy with the strides that I'm making in my life and then you have something to brag about in heaven with your fly self. Everyone have an amazing week, and I will holler at you all later. Bye.